2: Hello, this is the Webbox Podcast. I'm Matt Shorley. Don't forget, if you want to play the quiz on my show, come on the radio just before 1 every day, Monday to Friday, uh, and you want to play our hugely popular quiz, Can You Get to Number 10. Ten questions loosely connected to ten cabinet jobs. The more questions you get right, the better the job you get taking your place alongside other listeners and guests and MPs and whoever else has had a go to. Uh, if you want to have a go at doing that, get in touch with me now. Email me with your details matt.chorley at times.radio and we'll get you on very soon. Particularly if you listen to the podcast outside the UK uh, you can come on and be our international quizzer on a Thursday. matt.chorley at times.radio Right, coming up today, it's Wednesday so it must be PMQs unpacked. Patrick McGuire and I pause the action live from the House of Commons to analyse what's going on between Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer. That's coming up in just a moment. But first our columnist panel today it's alice thompson's here though morning alice hi uh nice to have you with us and we've also got acting editor at city am andy sylvester morning andy morning uh i'll ask you have you you had particularly bad examples of poor customer service being blamed on covid
3: oh i've had the 11 to 2 banks i have to say the queuing up for hours we had one bank with mine uh, in the whole of London that you could go to, they were directing us all to. So there was then a sort of four-hour queue of everyone breathing out each other. That,
2: <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. What about you, Andy?
4: Um, mainly on transport services, I have to confess, the sort of slightly arbitrary cancellations uh, that seem to often involve staff members uh, not quite making it all the way to work being blamed on COVID. Um, and I've had <laughs> degrees of scepticism about that, particularly when it was August of last year and there were vanishingly few cases in the country, but the weather was very nice.
2: It, um, I remember... It's not quite uh, customer service, but I was just particularly amused by the So I went to the cinema a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was only my wife in the cinema. There was nobody else there. And they kept coming in with their little night vision goggles to make sure we weren't filming it. They came in three times, and each time they looked at us with the goggles and then got a cloth out and wiped all the way one banister, walked across the back of the cinema... <laughs> Then wiped the other banister all the way down three times. This, what they thought we were doing to the banisters? When I was we going to say well,
3: what they thought you were doing anyway. I think I maybe they were just checking up on you. Maybe they were worried.
2: Just I don't know. But anyway, the banisters were. It, despite the fact, as it's been repeatedly suggested, you can't catch COVID off a banister in a cinema anyway. But you know, maybe it's a good thing they're clean. Anyway, this is this isn't why we're here. Let's not let's not get <laughs> bogged down in all that. Alice, let's talk about Gareth Southgate, the ultimate middle-aged crush.
3: Yeah, I'm afraid he is. Um, the, the problem is that even if you don't like football, you've ended up loving him. That's the difficulty. And I think there was a great thread on Twitter a couple of days ago um, saying that Gareth Southgate is the kind of person that if you were going for a colonoscopy would drive you there, his husband, and then sit outside and quietly eat a scotch egg and not say anything <laughs> afterwards. and <laughs> The only two things. One, I'm not sure about beards and scotch eggs. I was think that's a bit of a no um but on the other hand it's that sense that he would just look after you and that is what women are exhausted at the moment i think a lot of them and if you look at the polls they seem to be much more exhausted than men and tired and run down and they haven't done, you know they they've been picking up most of the child care and i know men are going to start complaining but statistically they have the ons figures show they're doing a lot more of children cleaning home cooking um, and you just want that. Th- you, know, you want a man like Gareth Southgate who's just going to come along and stack up the dishwasher in the right way and, you know, maybe make a meal or two, look after you a bit and um, take <laughs> you to your appointments or even get you an appointment. It's so difficult to get one.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Most of the complaints we've had about customer service are people just moaning about their GP surgeries. Um, uh, who, who yeah, well,
3: Gareth would sort that, wouldn't he? That's he would, the problem. Is is that it we, it's not really him. It's just we want someone who's just going to be, and is a winner at the same time. So that's the thing is we don't want, we want one of those men who's going to not just uh, look after you, but also be quite successful. Quite a tall order.
2: Um, have you have you got the hots of Gareth Southgate as well, Andy?
4: I mean, I do at the moment. At the start of the tournament, when we were passing the ball sideways constantly and playing terribly with <laughs> wasn't on board but um but no Alison's got a good point because yeah the ONS figures suggest that particularly you know women and young people have been the hardest hit by COVID be it on economic factors be it on health factors um really whatever kind of factor you look at and there will have to be a reckoning afterwards I think I think government's going to have to look pretty carefully at at how you come out of the COVID pandemic and recognize those groups that have been hit the hardest and indeed those groups that have sacrificed the most. Um, I've been on on many a rant on this programme and indeed in the Times and on the pages of City AM about a generation of people under the age of about 35 to 40 who have essentially given up a significant amount of time in the workplace, in their sort of just social life um, for a pandemic that doesn't necessarily really affect their kind of health outcomes. So I think there will have to be a reckoning afterwards as we come out of the pandemic about who government looks after the most, shall we put it that way, um, and who gets to sort of leg up um, in a recovery.
2: Is there something about just sort of um, the emotional intelligence thing that you were talking about, Alice, that actually just even appearing to give a monkeys monkey you know, b- politically um, goes quite a long way? That just being able to sound like you understand and appreciate these things. And obviously, obviously, you know, you want some policy to, to sort of flow from that. But sounding like you're, you're um, a, a, you know, you appreciate uh, the reality of people's lives is such a crucial thing in politics, isn't it?
3: Well, that's the problem with this government. Partly it's very male-dominated and a lot of the press conferences have been, well, we know that my like 89% of them have been male only. So you've got a very male-dominated government going on and ministers. And then you have this sense when with childcare or with the elderly or with all the big decisions you're making, the government's just not there. You know, they're faffing around about royal yachts. And there's a lot of mixed messages that we, you know, we've been given the whole time. And, you know, Families are trying to work out what to do. They're trying to work out whether or not they can go on holiday. They're trying to work out whether or not their children should be at school. They're trying to work out whether their elderly parents can be visited. What you want is really clear, concise messaging, which is the one thing you're not getting. And I think particularly women find that really exhausting when they're trying to plan and organise and get on with their day and then suddenly you know your child's back again because they've had to be in a bubble or you, know, you just you just don't know what's going to happen I think that's the real problem and I think that's why they look at someone like Gareth Southgate who is very clear about his aims and what he wants to do and it might be boring and dull and pedestrian and you're passing the ball back and forwards without much happening but at least you know where you are with him and I think that's what they feel with Boris Johnson it's too much of a game it's just not a grown-up there
2: and I, I wonder as well whether the fact that he seems just like a nice man—he doesn't get overexcited one way or the other—he's, uh, you know, he's looked after his colleagues and you know, getting them through and supporting them and all of that. You know, he's not taking a lot of credit. And in contrast to a world dominated by your Piers Morgans and your Andrew Neils and your Dan Wutter or whatever, we, we, we sort of nice men quietly getting on with their job and looking after their colleagues is a unfortunately it seems like a bit of a um an anomaly uh, well maybe in...
3: he'll change it all don't you think i mean that's the thing is you maybe just maybe men might look at this and think this may be what women want and also it's it seems to be effective the great thing about Grass i think is at the moment it's working it maybe will be a disaster tonight but we do then think you know at the moment that that's what we need is calm authoritative getting on with it leaders and actually even on the the issues of the culture wars woke his very good, Gareth Southgate, at trying to find a medium way through so that yeah, people feel yeah, yeah, yeah. that, you know, there's a, you know, he does everything. And I know that, that, that there are ministers who are complaining that maybe he's taken it too far, but, you know, they're taking the knee, they're, they're, you know, they're having, you know, the, the rainbow colored armbands, all that he does in a very calm, measured, relaxed way, rather than trying to push it on people or force people into making decisions one way or the other. What's the risk, Andy,
2: if we if I mean we're not going to, but if in a parallel universe we lose tonight, does everyone turn on Gareth Southgate, or has he got enough credit in the bank for having done a good job and kept his cool and uh we'll still we'll still love him tomorrow morning? I
4: think there was a sort of yeah, this national darling um status which has been bestowed on him after the last World Cup and then this one and as you know, as Alice said, the way he talks about a multicultural, diverse Britain is, is very appealing. Purely from footballing side of perspective, you'd have to say if we don't win the tournament from here, it is a failure. Um, and the pressure will be on in 2022. But as you say, that's not going to happen. We are going to... Uh, I hope dearly that we will win tonight because I think the nation needs something like that. It needs a good party. Saturday was pretty close, but uh, <laughs> winning tonight, and I think... Put it this way, I would suggest that the return to the office, which we have started to see as people get back uh, behind their desks, that may possibly slow down tomorrow morning.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I, I was contemplating only this morning, the fact that now I have to come into London every day, five days a week. There were days when I'd rather not be doing that. Uh, and just slightly hiding at home. Um, maybe, maybe I could do, can I, can I do the show from home tomorrow, Chloe? Oh, Chloe's saying yes. Karen's shaking her head and Chloe's <laughs> saying yes, so that's fine. I think that's... Uh, I'll, I agree with Chloe. Um, uh, <laughs> and in terms of, um, you know, the big party, but there's been, you know, speculation in the papers today, I think, at the Times, that the, um, uh, the, the risk of... Corona, you know, ministers increasingly worried about uh, coronavirus spreading through Wembley, because for some reason, uh, that people aren- don't appear to be abiding by social distancing rules. I really enjoyed that. There was some footage was it la- after the game last week of uh, England fans go I think it was the, the Germany match, England fans going completely mad, jumping over seats and barriers and all sorts, while one lone steward in a high-vis stood at the front, sort of just holding their hands up and telling everyone to shush, uh, which didn't prove very effective. But on the subject of uh, of uh, coronavirus, um, uh, Antti, you, you talk about people starting to go back to work. Are we inching our way back to naught even though it's a couple of weeks before this big bang, so-called lifting of uh, restrictions? Are we heading back to some sort of normality?
4: Well, I, it's funny. I was talking to people last night that we are, but there's also seemingly this impending sense of doom that in November of this year, we may well be heading back into something. But for now, yes, we are at back to normality. Just being around um, the capital the last sort of few weeks, we've been in the office pretty much every day. And you do notice a difference, not just in the sense of people going back during the week, but people just acting a little normally at the weekend, just doing things that they were doing beforehand, just being less sort of antsy about it. I think where the problem will come, of course, is the transition from this gradual inching out of restrictions to the the big bang, free-for-all, whatever we want to call it. Um, You know, We've all talked about the masks and the myriad culture wars that are already developing around whether or not you, you wear one or not. But certainly that strikes me as the point at which government will need to give that South advice if you <laughs> put it that way. Um to to you know to stay sensible, to enjoy company, to do the things that you missed. Um but bearing in mind that you know life is still not normal, you know, and it won't be as, as Chris Whitty said for a long time. The one point I would make on, on Wembley, having been there a couple of times, been lucky enough to have been there. Particularly last night, um, it, it was very apparent that not all of the Italian and Spanish fans, I think it's fair to say, uh, were living in London, judging from the number of screenshots of NHS apps that were being discussed as you were just about to be tested as you went in. Uh, Can you send me mine? There's um, <laughs> as, as, as a sign that the, the current testing system is not necessarily perfect at Wembley, but I think the country needs it. And I think, you know, fundamentally underpinning all of these decisions right, has to be that if you trust in the vaccine's efficacy, you have to move back towards normal. Because if you don't, as Boris said, probably the most compelling bit of the press conference the other night, which became a little bit of a mixed-message disaster, was you know, if not now, when? Yeah,
2: and I suppose that's, that's the question, isn't it, uh, Alice? That nothing is perfect. We, we're not going to have zero deaths uh, from COVID or zero cases, as some people seem to be carrying on as if we might do. And, um, uh, yeah, if not now, when?
3: Yeah, I think that's the problem is that you thought, well, I think a lot of people were planning to go back to the office maybe in September because they would then, you know, you'd have the summer holidays, you'd be carrying on working from home, you you hadn't reorganised the childcare maybe or, you know, they bought the season ticket again. Um, but now we know that there could be a whole nother wave in September and we, we're going back into it. You, I think you have to plan again. You may just be thinking, right, we're just going to have to go for it now. Um, because it, it's never going to be the end. We've kept thinking it's almost the end. And now I think people are beginning to say, right, OK, th- there may be no end in sight. We're just going to have to get used to this and get on with our lives. And that may be no bad thing.
2: Yeah. As, uh, as Andy says, taking the Southgateian approach of uh, not going too mad, but not being too cautious, it's the middle way, yeah. the Goldilocks approach. Um, yeah
3: and a few unicorns as well. I mean that Boris could have just done that. He could have jumped on a unicorn for us and then that would have been fine. That, you know that's all the gimmicks we needed and then he could have settled down rather than my worry is that he said the pubs can stay open until 11:15 on Sunday which means we are going to lose because it's just tempting fate. Isn't yeah don't it? Tempt Start talking about Sunday.
2: My big worry is how much bigger is Boris Johnson's flag going to get given the uh it, it took up the whole of Downing Street uh, ahead, of the, ahead of the game on Saturday. Is it going to like cover the whole of London by Sunday night? You know, we're going to need a bigger flag. Uh, it does feel I think of... the
3: UK, really,
2: isn't it? It's just going to be... Yes, yeah. Cause I'm, I'm sure our friends in Scotland and Wales will be thrilled. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, covered in white and red.
2: <laughs> and a great, with a giant Boris Johnson in the middle. Um, well, uh, Rosie's been in touch say, hang on, Gareth's not a saint yet. He's got to win the Cup. But... He's made just a super football team and we could do more with we could do with more like him in the workplace instead of people heaping stress on others which is probably a, a nice way to uh, to end things that's Andy Sylvester and Alice Thompson there And, of course you can read Alice's column right now go to the Times.co.uk. get yourself a digital subscription at thetimes.co.uk forward/ times red box up next it's PMQ's unpacked
5: you should celebrate yourself every day but some days you should celebrate with jewelry.
3: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: You're listening to the Redbox Podcast now. It's time for this. Order, order. I call Matt Chorley and Patrick McGuire. It's fine. It's fine. I think as a rehearsal, it's going all right. And once we do it live on once the radio, once we're on air, yeah, once, once we're on, on air, we'll fine. we totally fine. Patrick Maguire's here, red box editor. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, big PMQs today. What do we think that Keir Starmer will go on?
5: Uh, I think he'll he'll open with uh, he'll open with the line about football. I'm sure he's also going to um, he's also taking a trip to Northern Ireland. Uh, Keir Starmer's week. going to Northern Ireland. Yeah, this week, so he might uh, he might take a flick of that. Uh, but I think there's only one issue on the agenda, and it's uh, July the 19th. July the 19th. I thought we were going to say the football. Well, yes, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, want it, I, want to, I want to maintain a semblance of professionalism and engagement today for the benefit of your listeners. Oh, uh, well, I wouldn't worry about that too much. Um,
2: <laughs> uh, Boris Johnson is in the House of Commons. He's wearing a uh, uh, St George's Cross badge uh, to indicate. It's rather smaller than the flag that he had uh, outside Downing Street, but he has got a little badge on. Um, which is uh interesting uh, there's a couple of backbench questions um, and then we'll uh, we'll go to uh Keir Starmer uh, live in the house of commons um, it, it'll be interesting to see if Keir Starmer's worked out a way of criticizing Boris Johnson's plans on July the 19th because in the immediate aftermath of Boris Johnson's uh, press conference on Monday Keir Starmer didn't really seem to know what it was he wasn't happy about
5: yes exactly but i think i think labor has a uh, labor has a line that they obviously uh, honed on yesterday's broadcast round now you might say saying that we have to have restrictions in place until every building that's open to the public has uh, a fully functioning ventilator, brand spanking new ventilation system uh, isn't, um, you know, isn't feasible or whatever but they have a clear line now uh, and it's basically restrictions to stay for the time being so I think he'll pursue that but without... Uh, I suppose he's sort of
2: probably maybe he's looked at the opinion polls and people seem to quite like the restrictions and yes. you know and, and all of that, so you put yourself on the right I'm side. I'd be interested
5: to see as well, um, not to say I'm the most influential person in British politics, <laughs> uh, although I'd say I'm definitely in the top one. Um, I, after our, our, our last session, uh, I went for lunch uh, with uh, someone quite close to Keir Starmer and I suggested the point I made last week uh, about the vaccine rollout really, like, really slowing. Uh, I said, you should really get on that. So... All I'm saying is, if you hear Keir Starmer criticising the slow speed of the rollout, this guy.
2: That's you're you're basically yeah. doing.
5: You're basically now an advisor
2: to Keir Starmer. I I wouldn't. Not anyone would necessarily brag about that. But that's uh, that's <laughs> to you, Patrick McGuire. Well, um, let's find out if Keir Starmer is going to take Patrick Maguire's advice <laughs> via his his lunch partner. Uh, we can go live to the House of Commons now. Keir Starmer, the leader of the Labour Party, uh, with his first question to Boris Johnson. Agreed. Five million
0: uh, from the, oh, uh, exactly, the UK... That's just Boris Johnson just plans, rounding off his uh, last... ...to support uh, the uh, extension of the Edinburgh... He's just up. Borders uh, Railway uh, to Carlisle. There we are. Talked about the Railway to Carlisle. The leader of
1: the Opposition, Keir
0: Starmer? Here we go. Thank you,
6: Mr Speaker. Can I join the Prime Minister in his, in his remarks about the 7-7 anniversary? Um, I remember where I was on that day, and we'll never forget it. I'm sure that's the same for everybody, and we will never forget all those affected, especially the family and friends of all those who died. Can I join the Prime Minister in his comments about Fay as well, and also about football, and wish the very best of luck to the England football team this evening. I'm sure the whole country, with the possible exception of the Conservative MP for Ashfield, will be watching this evening and cheering England on.
5: Uh, uh, that's Lee Anderson. Yes, to explain, who uh, is the Conservative MP for who, Ashfield? Over who, citing the team's decision to take a knee, said he would boycott every single one of England's games. So, <laughs> and he's been the subject of some ridicule, even some by some of his own colleagues. Yeah. Yes, exactly. He's the only person in England not watching the football. 28 million people or whatever it was Someone should send one of those TV licensing vans outside <laughs> Lee Anderson's house to check <laughs> that he really isn't watching the football. <laughs> right, that's enough of
2: that silliness. Let's go back to the covers.
6: Mr. Speaker, can I also extend a special welcome to the new member for Batley and Spen. And will members opposite forgive me if I just turn round um, to look at the new member for Batley and Spen as she sits there on these benches beneath the plaque to Joe Cox, her sister. And that's a special and emotional moment for all of us on these benches. And I, I think for everybody across this House, it takes incredible courage and bravery Uh, to stand um, in that constituency um, and to sit on these benches beneath that plaque.
1: Kim
2: Kim Ledbetter, of course, who won the the by-election last week. Mr
6: Speaker, we all want our economy to open and to get back to normal. The question is whether we do it in a controlled way or a chaotic way. The Health Secretary told the House yesterday that under the government's plan, infections could go as high as 100,000 a day. Now, a number of key questions fall from that. First, if infections reach that level, 100,000 per day, what does the Prime Minister expect the number of hospitalisations, deaths, and the number of people with long COVID will be in that eventuality?
0: Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, the, uh, there are a number of uh, projections uh, and they're, they're available from the, from the SPI-M graphs but it's certainly true, Mr Speaker, that we are seeing a wave of, of cases because of the, the Delta variant but uh, scientists are also absolutely clear uh, that we have severed the link uh, between uh, infection and serious disease and death and, and currently there are only uh, a thirtieth of, 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 the, of the deaths that we were seeing at an equivalent position in previous waves of this uh, pandemic. And that has been made possible thanks to the vaccine rollout, uh, the fastest of any European country. And I think what uh, people would like to hear from uh, the party opposite, because I wasn't quite clear from that opening question, is whether or not they support the progress that this country is intending to make on July the 19th or not, Mr Speaker. Uh, He says it's uh, reckless to go ahead. Does that mean he's opposing it? (laughs) <laughs> mm, there's a lot there was a lot in you know as boris
5: johnson himself boris johnson likes to call uh you know in such incoherent answers as that as minestrone uh, <laughs> but there were there are a few notable croutons in there as he himself would say and has said in collins before i think it was interesting that he said we're, we're clearly seeing a quite sharp divergence between what the scientific advisors are saying and the, what the government is saying you Hear boris johnson said there say the link between cases and hospitalizations and deaths has been severed. I mean, nobody is saying that. I mean, the, the question uh, and the gamble is the extent to which they've been weakened. And obviously Chris Whitty said yesterday in the, on the hot on the heels of Sajid Javid saying, you know, roll on every 100,000 people getting COVID a day, that actually cases should be kept at a minimum. So clear. it's really quite striking that ministers are now leaning into this uh, to the extent that they are. And to hear the Prime Minister say it himself, is quite striking, I think. And It was interesting when uh, Keir Starmer asked for well, what does that
2: mean for hospitalizations and deaths, he just said there were, there were a number of projections from the SPI-M, on the SPI-M graph. SPIEM is the uh, scientific pandemic influenza group on modelling. Um, I'm not sure if that means he knows what they say, but they're bad, so he doesn't want to say it, or he wasn't totally sure if he actually knew the answer to Keir Starmer's question. Knowing
5: the Prime Minister, I think it's... I think it's probably a bit of both. Um, <laughs> and also, I, I think the government's, the government's gamble is that one uh, will fall, the the uh, hospitalisation test will fall at the lower end of those projections, i.e., okay, the link hasn't been severed, but the the increase will be so negligible in terms of NHS capacity that uh, we don't have to worry about it. But it's interesting, you know, Sajid Javid is saying, I'm not the COVID secretary, I'm the I'm the health secretary, you know, I'm here for, to care for people with all conditions. But if you listen to hospital leaders, they say, look, hospitalisation increased by 38% last week. Even if they continue increasing at this rate from a low base, again, we're back into the territory where routine operations are being delayed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So as much as it's very easy to be blasé about this now, uh, I think Keir will keep plugging away at this one. Well, let's find out. Let's go back, Keir
6: Starmer. Mr Speaker, we know that the link between infection rates and deaths has been weakened, but it hasn't been broken. Yeah. And the Prime Minister must, and he certainly should know the answer to the question that I asked him. Yeah. That he won't answer it here in the House hardly inspires confidence in his plan. Yeah. Mr yeah. Speaker, let's be clear why infection rates are so clear, are so high. Because the Prime Minister let the Delta, or we can call it the Johnson variant, into the country. Yeah. And let's be clear, let's be clear why the number of cases will surge so quickly because he is taking all protections off in one go That is reckless The SAGE papers yesterday, Mr Speaker make clear that with high infection rates there's a greater chance of new variants emerging greater pressure on the NHS more people will get long Covid and test and trace will be less effective Knowing all that Is the Prime Minister really comfortable with a plan that means 100,000 people catching this virus every day and everything that that entails?
2: Just to jump in now, I'm quite struck that... uh, I think the answer to Boris Johnson's question of whether or not Labour is supporting his plan is the answer is no. Mm. Uh, I suspect the Prime Minister is comfortable with his own plan. The Johnson variant, somebody's just tweeted in saying they like that. Christina says there's a good a good jibe. It was possibly something that Labour could have got up running a few weeks ago. Yeah, un-
5: unlike so much of uh, Labour's comms operation, a, c- a criticism uh, the new bloods in Keir Starmer's office make and Labour MPs make is that Labour are in the habit of um, releasing... You know, ten paragraph press releases after the fact, where if you take the top paragraph off, it could refer to literally any news story <laughs> on any day of the week in any country. Whereas this, Keir Starmer's questions, as last week, are punchy, they're sharp, they they're are, pointed, but... and actually, they're you know, not a sentence, you uh, not a word you often hear used in the context of Keir Starmer saying anything, but they're actually quite funny. Well, let's go back and
2: see if uh, if Boris Johnson is
5: comfortable with his own plan. <laughs>
0: Mr. Speaker, I really think we need to hear uh, from what the, uh, the Honourable what he actually uh, supports. Uh, we will continue with a balanced and reasonable approach. And I've given the, the reasons uh, this country has rolled out the fastest vaccination programme Uh, anywhere in Europe the the vaccines provide uh, more than 90% uh, protection against hospitalisation, both of them uh, Mr Speaker, by the 19th of July uh, we will have vaccinated uh, every adult will have been offered uh, one vaccination, Uh, everybody over 40, Mr Speaker, will have been offered uh, two uh, vaccinations that is an extraordinary achievement that's allowing us to go ahead now, last week, uh, Mr Speaker or earlier this week, uh, he seemed to support opening up uh, getting rid of the one-metre rule. He seemed to support uh, getting back into nightclubs and uh, uh, and getting back into pubs without masks, Mr Speaker. Uh, but if he doesn't support it, perhaps he could clear it up now. Is it reckless or not, Mr Speaker? I think we we'll just, just ploughed through it. It's much the
2: same as the first answer, really. He's quite happy with what he's doing and uh, he wants to know whether or not Keir Starmer supports
5: it. Yeah, and it's interesting because usually the you know, the concluding flourish of this and where Labour's attacks on the government over lockdown have traditionally been quite weak is that they would, um, you know, drive from the back seat, quibble with the small print and then would troop through the division lobbies to approve it in the end anyway. So it all seemed a little bit like dancing on the head of the pin. But now you have a clear, uh, a very clear distinction between the two positions. They're actually arguing f- diametrically opposed. For the first time on covid I think uh, over the course of the whole pandemic. It's interesting, and uh, yeah,
2: Keir Starmer being ahead of the argument yes, rather than yeah. Captain Hindsight. Uh, um, you know, he's trying to position himself as Captain Foresight. Uh, let's go back then. Question number three from Keir Starmer,
6: Mr. Speaker. We should we should open up in a controlled way. Keep. Keeping keeping base license protections such as masks on public transport. Improving ventilation, making sure the track and trace system remains effective and ensuring proper payments for self-isolation. The Prime Minister can't just wish away the practical problems that 100,000 infections a day are going to cause. Can't wish them away. The next obvious one is the huge number of people who will be asked to isolate. If there are 100,000 infections a day... That means hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of people, are going to be pinged to isolate. The Financial Times estimates this morning that that could be around 2 million people per week. The Mail says 3.5 million people a week. Either way, it's a massive number. It means huge disruption to families and businesses, just as the summer holidays begin. So we know what the FT thinks. We know what the Mail thinks, what their estimates are. Can the Prime Minister tell us how many people, does he expect, will be asked to isolate if infection rates continue to rise at this rate?
0: Mr Speaker, I want to thank everybody who uh, self-isolates. They're doing the right thing. They're a vital part of uh, this country's protection against against the disease and what we will be doing is moving away from self isolation uh, towards uh, testing in the course of the next uh, few weeks and that is the prudent approach because we all have, Mr speaker vaccinated even more people but what he uh, what he can't explain well, he can't have it both ways he says it's reckless it's reckless to open up mr speaker and yet he attacks yet he attacks self isolation mr speaker which is one of the key protections uh, that this country has and let me ask him again uh, he uh, on my one day he seemed to say he was in favour he seemed to say he was in favour of opening up on July the 19th now he's saying it's reckless. Which is it, Mr Speaker?
5: <laughs> I think um, interesting question from Keir Starmer, again yeah, goes to, uh, speaks to the extent to which his op- operation has sharpened up. It's all about now uh, and you can tell the Blairites have taken over the asylum. It's all about you, they just need to hammer away at three things that you can fit on a pledge card. So now it's clear, and we're going to be hearing this till we're sick of it ventilation, uh, proper self isolation, and I, I can't remember the third. <laughs> but that's clearly because masks. They, he has yes, and masks, masks and masks. Mask ventilation and, masks. and proper funding of uh, yes, payments exactly. people who have to people. And we're just going to hear Labour in every intervention say that again and again and again, I think.
2: Uh, to, I understand the, the thing about ventilation, I find it a bit odd. What does he want Boris Johnson to do? Give everyone more, more windows? Make it compulsory to have windows open at all times. Is uh, that Labour's policy? Free air conditioning units for the blind? I don't know. <laughs> uh... <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, uh, but, but you're right, it is sharp. And um, for real nerds of these things, it is unusual for uh, the leader of the Labour Party to stand up and say, at the dispatch box, he's been reading both the Financial Times and the Daily Mail. And, and by um, citing both of them, that is a way of showing what a broad church he is now straddling. If you, yes, if you yes. do indeed straddle a church, <laughs> <laughs> not a horse. Anyway, let's go back and see. <laughs> uh, this is what question number four now from Keir Starmer.
0: Maybe I can help a little, just to remind us that it's prime minister's questions. If we want, if we want opposition questions, we'll need to change standing up. It's, I mean, it's not the best. The question joke was simply: Living How many
6: people are going to be asked to self-isolate if there's a hundred thousand infections a day, and he won't answer it? And we know why he won't answer it and pretends I'm asking a different question. He ignored the problems in schools. Now the 700,000 children off per week because he ignored it. Now he's ignoring the next big problem that's heading down the track and going to affect millions of people who have to self-isolate. Now, it won't feel like Freedom Day to those who have to isolate when they're having to cancel their holidays, when they can't go to the pub or even to their kids' sports day. And it won't feel like Freedom Day, Prime Minister, to the businesses who are already warning of carnage because of the loss of staff and customers. It must be obvious, with case rates that high, his plan risks undermining the track and trace system that he spent billions and billions of pounds on. Prime Minister, there are already too many stories of people deleting the NHS app. He must have seen those stories. And they're doing it because they can see what is coming down the track. Now, of course, we don't support that, Mr Speaker. But under his plan, it's entirely predictable. What is the Prime Minister going to do to stop people deleting the NHS track because they can see precisely what he can't see, which is millions of them are going to be pinged this summer to self-isolate?
0: Mr Speaker, of course we're going to continue with the uh, programme of of self-isolation for as long as that is necessary. I thank all those who are are doing it. But of course what we're also doing is moving to a system of testing rather than self-isolation. And we can do that we can do that because of the massive rollout of the vaccine program. I' am still not and I think about the fourth or fifth time, Mr Speaker, it's still not clear whether he's actually in favor of this country moving forward to step four on the basis of the massive And yes, it's, of course, Mr. Speaker, uh, it, this is unlike the law where you can, you can attack from lots of different positions at once to oppose you must have a credible and clear alternative I, I simply do not hear that is he is he in favor of us moving forward yes or no it's completely impossible to tell
5: uh,
2: just... Oh, go on let's let's say what the
0: once again it's prime minister's questions and the prime minister answers
5: questions get <laughs>
2: Boris Johnson, this, this fact, we had Lindsay Hall on a couple of weeks ago and he claimed that he'd sort of had a sort of kiss and make up uh, conversation with Boris Johnson and they were going to get along much better, but that doesn't seem to have, the truth doesn't seem to have held.
5: No. Uh, and, and that is a, that is one of his most persistent complaints that it's uh, uh, Boris Johnson is trying to turn it into, I don't know, lot, <laughs> Uh <literally laughs> I mean, I
2: complaints. suppose whether or not he's directly asking Keir Starmer a question, it is true to say. That while I mean, Keir Starmer's questions are sharper; they're more to the point. They are on the sort of things that normal people are talking about. It isn't actually clear if he thinks uh, it, on the one. You can't on the one hand, comp- you know, warn about the carnage that's coming for businesses. Was Boris Johnson's response is well, that's why we're opening up because businesses want their customers back and all that. So it's not actually clear whether or not Keir Starmer thinks we should be lifting all restrictions on, on July the
5: nineteenth. Do you not think? I mean, I. I... I I suppose like you say uh it's when he advances the argument that you know as you say some of those consistencies inconsistencies uh become more obvious but let's say it's actually for the first time in a very long time uh a clear line of attack is very easy to discern from the labor party and and you know the, I'm getting re- I'm getting real mileage out of this lunch by the way uh, every answer <laughs> a new uh, a new vignette comes back into my head another mouthful of uh uh, too expensive steak that I. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's the, the, the mindset. I think this is something people who worked with Keir Starmer when he was shadow Brexit secretary used to say. He used to take, and this is a, a criticism they make of him, he said he used to pretend or a- act as if he was shadow Brexit secretary. Uh, he was the real Brexit secretary and he, w- he was unwilling to take any position that they wouldn't be able to do in government. People who have come into Keir Starmer's office now are saying, We're the opposition. We can say anything we like, but th- we're not making these decisions. Yes.
2: Nobody will remember. I, and I suppose that's the point. A bit of inconsistency doesn't matter yes, it's if you're landing a political, yes. uh, exactly. political blow. Um, uh, let's go back. What's the minute answer? to question five from Keir Starmer?
6: If he stopped mumbling and listened, he'd have heard the answer the first time. We want to open. We want to open. We want to open in a controlled way and keep in line baseline protections that can keep down infections, like mandatory face masks on on public transport. Now, we know that that will protect people, reduce the speed of the virus and the spread of the virus, and it won't harm the economy. It's common sense. Why can't the Prime Minister see
0: that? Prime Minister. Of course, Mr Speaker, we can see that it's common sense uh, for people in confined spaces, uh, to wear a face mask out of respect and courtesy uh, to others but such as on the, on the tube. But what we're doing, Mr Speaker, is, is cautiously, prudently uh, moving to, from, a legal diktat, from legal diktat to allowing people to take personal responsibility uh, for their actions. And that is, the, that is the right way forward, Mr Speaker. And I, I must say that uh, if really that is the only difference between us, if he supports absolutely everything else... Uh, so opening pubs, opening nightclubs, uh, getting rid of the, uh, the one-metre rule, uh, getting people back to work, and it all, it's all about whether the difference between uh, making face masks mandatory or advisory on the tube. If that is the only difference between us, Mr Speaker, then that is good news. Uh, but I'd, I'd like to hear him clarify that.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh
2: I think Borschloss has managed to sort of manoeuvre himself into a much better position with that answer than he did, did on any of the others. Yes, he always seems to manage that Uh on the 6th. But uh, there is actually... There is a bigger point of difference, isn't there? Keir Starmer is just laying out now that he is not actually supporting what the government's doing, but so that in a couple of weeks' time, when cases have gone through the roof, uh, there's concern about uh, the number of people who are self-isolating, there's maybe more concern about you know rising numbers in hospitals and so on, he'll be able to say, I told you so, rather than, oh, you
5: shouldn't have done that, which has basically been what he's been doing for the last year. Yes, we told you so. And also, uh, it, as I was saying earlier about the three points and flogged them to death, this is Labour's version of long term economic plan. The hope is that in a month's time, if the Prime Minister has to get up and say, Remember that um, you know, pick and mix approach we advocated about masks, um, well actually we're going to remandate them on public transport or whatever. Uh Keir Starmer people might make the link and say, hang on, the Labour Party have been banging on about that for a very yeah, long time. Yeah, yeah. This government are indeed as hopeless, as they say. Keir Starmer
2: was right, uh, which I suppose is the position that he wants to get in. This is PMQ's Unpacked, uh, where we pause the action life in the House of Commons. I'm joined by Patrick Maguire, uh, editor of the Times Red Box. Let's get the last exchange, then, from Keir Starmer.
6: Mr Speaker, he agrees it's, public se- it, 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 it's common sense because it protects the public, but he mo- won't make it mandatory. It's ridiculous. It's clear what this is all about. He's lost a health secretary, he's lost a by-election and he's getting flack from his own MPs. So he's doing what he always does, crashing over to the other side of the aisle, chasing headlines and coming up, up with a plan that hasn't been thought through. We all want restrictions lifted, we want our economy open and we want to get back to normal. But we've been here too many times before isn't it the case that once again, instead of a careful, controlled approach, yeah. we're heading for a summer of
2: chaos and confusion? Yeah. Minister. I'm quite bold to mention losing a by-election uh,
0: by <laughs> Starler. Let's take a listen. Uh, no, Mr. Speaker, is the answer to that. Uh, and uh, these are, of course, these are these are difficult decisions. They need to be taken in a in a balanced way, and that's what we're doing. And uh, throughout the pandemic, uh, to do all these things. Uh, frankly, Mr. Speaker, takes a great deal of drive and it takes a great deal of leadership to get things done. And if we'd, if we'd followed his advice, Mr. Speaker, if we'd followed his advice, we would still be in the European Medicines Agency. Hey, we would never, drink. It's absolutely, we would never have rolled out, <laughs> every uh, the we that every single week. If we'd followed his advice, Mr. Speaker, we would never have got schools open again with all the damage uh, to our kids. Uh, education And frankly, Mr Speaker, if we listened to him, if we listened to him, we would not now be proceeding cautiously, pragmatically, sensibly to reopen our society and our economy and give people back the chance to enjoy the freedoms they love. We're getting on with taking the tough decisions to take this country forward, Mr Speaker. We vaccinate. They vaccinate. We There's another we, one. We inoculate, Mr yep. Speaker, while they're invertebrates. Well, that's a new one. Well, actually, the
5: government, as uh, as is on the front page of the Times today, is actually preparing to recognise that uh, invertebrates feel pain and can feel an ascension. So, <laughs> not quite the attack that Boris Johnson thinks that's it is. The, that's the plan of to end the boiling alive of lobsters. And which, uh, which you know, if I can uh, stretch this metaphor to breaking point, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure that Boris Johnson bald Keir Starmer uh, alive with that answer. Um, I was. It's a very interesting to hear um, Keir Starmer quote Dominic Cummings, though not mentioning him by name, uh, with the old uh, shopping trolley uh, attack on the Prime Minister. I thought that was interesting.
2: That, I thought, that, yeah, that was interesting. Um, I mean, there was a lot of uh, yeah. Once we are on to the European Medicines Agency, we know that Boris Johnson is just sort of killing time. Yes,
5: although I hate to make this my own uh, weekly vaccine jibe at the government. Uh, but yeah, because actually your
2: prediction, whatever whatever it was, that um, may, maybe too much wine had been consumed by the time you, you'd got onto your suggestions. Well, it's that, interesting though but because he didn't raise the fact that the vaccine rates are low. Uh, but
5: I hate to you know give out more freelance comms advice, um, but it's pro bono. I'm not charging for this. Uh, <laughs> but the Europeans Manchester think we. Fast reaching the point where some EU nations are catching up with us in terms of second jabs. So give it a couple of weeks and Keir Starmer might be able to say, hey, if we're in the European Medicines Agency, more people would be double-jabbed. I don't know. But I certainly hope so because I need to justify my expense claims. (laughs) Well, um, we've had loads of messages
2: in today. As always, uh, they are all over the place. Somebody says, why do you always give Starmer more credit than he deserves? Uh, Somebody else says, uh, Starmer can beat the job as much as he likes regarding unlocking being reckless. The population don't agree. Someone else says, uh, Starmer should not answer any of the PM's questions. It's not opposition's question time. Uh, Then somebody else said that Starmer is a joke, uh, and so on and so on. In fact, Claire, Claire, you remember, was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Claire's um, uh, got cancer, was talking about, you know, how she wants to make... um, uh, improve the experience of dying, uh, and she says that um, so dismissive of people with immune issues and ignoring issues of vulnerable children, teens, and schools. We know we can't chill forever, but could do with more compassion, and honesty over the risk. Death numbers might be low, but it's still super scary. If you know it's likely to be you, uh, that's obviously aimed at uh, Boris Johnson. I mean, we've got the full—we've covered the full range there, full gamut of, uh, of views about PMQs. Uh, that's uh, the end of PMQs unpacked, where we pause the action between Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget, you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, ten till one on Times Radio. We bring you the best bits here on the podcast, and if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcast from.